0: The greatest exchange continues. God brought peace to our chaos. God brings peace to our trials, to our troubles. He took the, the storms of our lives and takes the storms of our lives and offers us the Prince of Peace. And so no matter what we face, we have a God who's right there with us and to bring peace to us. I still marvel that he's willing to enter the mess of our lives. I and yes, there are some messes that we walk into. Some of them he invites us into, and others we walk into ourselves. And we find ourselves sometimes in hopeless situations. Even more incredible that he is willing to rescue us from these difficult times. And so today we have a story of some fearful disciples finding themselves walking into the storm. And So how do you respond when you've been handed something that maybe you weren't ready for, or even... Maybe you weren't prepared for it or came at an inopportune time or how do you respond when literally everything falls apart around you where it's not going the way that you had intended it would go? Does it look like this? In there or we've thought those thoughts sometimes things happen to us that we would say the most inopportune times sometimes they happen and we ask why sometimes they happen because God has something in store for us is it possible in those kind of times to have peace that passes all understanding is it possible that those kind of times to have have peace that transcends all understanding is it possible that God wants us to go through something like that to build something in us Well, let's take a look at that today. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4 in your New Testament. Mark chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Go ahead and find that in your Bible or your mobile device. And and if you need a copy of a Bible today, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. When you find that stand, and we're going to read it out loud together... Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Let's read this out loud together. Mark chapter 4, and you could stand with us as we read God's word. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Let's read. Ready? Read. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You may have a seat. Storms never come at convenient times. Like, they're not just going to appear. Like, we can say, God, all right, like, I'm looking at my schedule. Wednesday from like two to five would be a great time, God, to bring it. Like, tell me that news thing, God. Like, give me that report then. Let me know this is going to happen. Like, can, you, can we schedule this, God? Like, up to that point, I'm pretty busy. I can get a good night's rest. I got a, a breakfast appointment, something to celebrate. Like, can I schedule this adverse situation, this, this difficult time, this storm? No, storms come, most of them come at inopportune or most inconvenient times. In fact, truth of the matter is, there's a storm brewing in your life right now. And if you're not in one, you've just come out of one or you're about ready to enter one. It's how God shapes us and sharpens us and makes us more like him and refines us to be more like him. Yet in the dire straits of time, we can have peace, the Prince of Peace. Peace can rule us. It can guard us. That Somehow this peace can, can guard our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. Let's state the obvious. You will face hardship. I will face hardship. You and I will have moments when you feel overwhelmed to the point of death. You will have chaos in your life. Just because you're a Christ follower doesn't mean that you won't have trials, that you won't have troubles, that there won't be times when it's very difficult. And in this case here, it's very obvious. Look at verse 35 again. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. And in this case, they had just finished a full day of ministry. They were just in the middle of God's will. They had just served people. They had just explained who Christ was. And they're even with Jesus. And yet this storm surfaces. Before we dig too much into this account, I want to ask you a question. Just answer this question. Who told them to go on the lake in the first place? Who was it? Who who asked them? Let's go to the other side of the lake. Who is it? Look at it. Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that invited them to the storm. Like, he knew at some point in this boat journey that there would be a storm so bad that the disciples would, would fret for their own lives. And yet Jesus didn't keep them away from the storm. Jesus didn't say, you know what, you better sit this one out. He didn't, he didn't go through the litany of names and, and excuses and reasons why they shouldn't be there. He just said, let's go to the other side. Full aware, fully aware, fully aware that at some point in this boat journey there would be a storm. So bad that water would break over top of the boat. So bad that they would be bailing water. So bad that they would be fretting for their life. Yet Jesus invited them to the storm. Now listen, Jesus does that often in our lives. He's not going to keep us from every storm. And in this case, he physically says, jump in. He verbally tells them, join me in this journey of a storm. He was fully man and fully God. So while he knew this was about to happen, they didn't know it was going to happen. Jesus knew what is in store. He didn't, it didn't stop him from going forward, he, nor did he want to keep his men from this dangerous nights ahead. By the way, it started out all good, but at some point, it's going to go south, and Jesus knew that. How does he respond, knowing in the back of his mind... That at some point in this, this night on the, on the lake, at some point, we get to some point, the storm's going to brew. How did Jesus respond to that? Well, look again at verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. Verse 37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. So the storm they were about to face... What's coming as a result of following Jesus. You know, when you follow Christ, no one ever said you wouldn't face storms. And in this case, it would be one for the records. Because these were seasoned fishermen. These were seasoned sailors. These were seasoned soldiers. And yet these disciples were so afraid that they feared their own lives. And so, things go south quickly here. When you follow Jesus, you will be opposed. And so, instead of hitting the fear app when something breaks loose, we need to hit the trust app or the Jesus app. Some of us operate like that in regular life. I mean, do you have anyone in your family, like, they're always looking at the weather app, and it's like, um, it's supposed to be a family outing, and it's like, oh, there's supposed to be 30% chance of snow. We need to cancel this. Someone might slide off the road and, and, and die, so we better not have this. Do you have any relatives like that? Parents, like, they throw, up, they throw up the white flag when it's like 30% chance. And then you have these people who never close their doors on Sunday, regardless of what the weather is. We have these full extremes. We have fear app. We have Jesus app. And so this furious squall comes up over the river, over the lake. This is the moment where everything you really believe about Jesus will surface. This is a moment where I've witnessed strong physical men come unglued. Because their tightly knit plan, like this is the way it should be, like, This is, I got it all checked off. Like, if this takes place, we'll be careful. We'll be safe. I've watched men come unglued when their plans wasn't fully relying upon God. And somehow the plans that they had in place were shelved and they had to rely upon God. At that moment, you begin to see who they fully trust in. And so in this case, the disciples, this furious squall is taking place on the the lake. When you walk in dangerous territory, you better be certain that you will be opposed. When you walk with Jesus, you will face hardship, you will face trials, you will face storms. But it's in those storms that you grow. There was no more time for preparation for the disciples. Full day of ministry, get on the boat. Then it says a furious squall surfaces. This is where man's default mechanism kicks in. This is truly the moment when others will be able to attest to your faith in Jesus Christ. I personally believe it's easy to trust in Jesus and sing great is our God when the bills are paid. It's easy to to trust in Jesus and sing great is our God when the kids are healthy. It's easy to do that when when your job is secure. It's easy to do that when your marriage is flourishing. But what happens when a warrant of chaos, a certificate of troubled waters, knocks at your door at 9 o'clock and says, Here... This is what I've given you. It's in those moments that you determine and you will see what kind of faith that person has in God. I love how Isaiah talks about peace in these kind of situations. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verses 3 and 4, Isaiah said these words that still ring true today to us. Even in 2014, he said these words, You will keep in perfect peace peace. Those whose minds are stayed, are steadfast on you because they trust in you. Then he says this in verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. You will keep in perfect peace. In the Hebrew, there's this beautiful thing called a Hebrew idiom. And if you were to translate this from the original, it would say, you will keep in peace, peace. Like Perfect peace, a repetition, peace, peace. Those whose minds and hearts are stayed steadfast on you. And so in other words, if we look at Jesus and those whose eyes are on the Lord, the Lord himself. It's a beautiful picture too here in the Hebrew. It's Yah, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord himself. And so in this scenario, it is possible when the storm is brewing... To be focused on God, on Yah, Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord himself, and have complete peace, peace. Now picture a second, if you can. Jesus knew going into this boat that there would be a moment along the way that everything would go south. Like, he knew that. What was his posture? Like, how did he respond knowing that there would be a point of time that a storm would brew on this lake? Well, if you look again back down at the text, look at verse 38. It says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, here's the picture. As Jesus is entering the boat, he grabs one of the cushions. He takes the cushion, knowing, fully aware, because he's fully God and fully man, at some point in this journey, at some point in this journey, there's going to be a storm. And so instead of sitting there biting his fingernails, he goes to the stern of the boat, grabs the cushion, and he directly goes to sleep. So picture this. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat, fully aware that at some point a storm is coming, but he was fully aware that he would be okay. And so you have this contrast. Both people had just spent time ministering. Both had just spent time with each other. Both were about to face a storm, one person knew, the other ones weren't aware, and the one that knew that the storm was coming was resting in the stern of the boat. I find that interesting because he also knew that he could trust his God. When we learn to trust in Jesus, absolutely nothing brought our way should rattle us because our minds are stayed and steadfast on the Lord. We, too, should be able to, knowing that at some point in this journey, that somewhere along the way, it's, it's, it's going to get challenging and difficult, we should be able, as Jesus did, to take the cushion and rest assured in the promises and the steadfastness and faithfulness of our God and have complete peace. Because if God called us to it, he'll take us through it. Now, listen, he did. Jesus called him to this storm. Like, he invited them to the storm. And so, knowing that, at some point, we must be fully aware that all these ways that God has come through in the past build our faith. I personally believe this, too, that the greatest testimony for a Christ follower's faith is to watch them go through difficult times. You know, it's really easy to form a faith. Like, this happens often in, in Christian walks, like, All of a sudden, when we get our lives in order, we start taking these hard calls and expect other people to do things because our lives are comfortable. Like, oh, I I don't think we should do that anymore. I don't think we should spend that. I don't think we should do that. While all the way, we made sure that our lives were set up so that we're comfortable and it doesn't require anything more from us. Yet truth of the matter is it's in the hard times, the difficult times that our faith grows. One of the things that Ann and I try to do as a family is to remind our kids and remind them of what God has done to attest to his greatness. And the way we remind is that we we often talk about the ways God answers prayer and the way he answers prayer. Like, hey, we stepped out and God did this. Hey, we asked God for that and God did this. And so we build our faith based upon the ways that God brought us through it. So I really encourage you, take time through the week, take time through your journey with your kids and your family to pause back and say, hey, this is what God has done. And it builds their faith. Because once your faith begins to build, when the storm brews, you know that if God brought you through that, if God answered that, then surely he can answer this. And you don't have to panic and have anxiety override your peace. So God all along our lives, gives us ways to trust in him, to build faith. So when you believe in God and trust him in every area of your life, he rewards it. And so when you face that challenging time, you don't see the storm. You see the same God that came through in the past. Let me give you an example, just a real recent example. My daughter Hannah is a senior at Grace College this year. She'll graduate this year. When she was 16 years old, we bought her a vehicle. Then she helped purchase also. Both of our kids have. And Isaiah will help purchase by his own vehicle too. But when she was 16, we got her a vehicle. That got her the whole way through high school. And now is getting her the whole way through college. And we praise God for that. That he's allowed this vehicle, the vehicle to last that long. Did the same for Josh. He did the same for Josh. God did. In the midst of this, as she's getting ready to graduate, we've been trying to find another vehicle for her that would get her ready for the next stage of life. Because the vehicle that she has now, we, we store it in the garage in the winter because it's not a winter-ready kind of vehicle. And so we've been thinking about, hey, we should sell the vehicle. We've been praying, Lord, what should we do? How should we sell it? And I've even been looking for other vehicles for Hannah, a four-season vehicle that she could drive year-round. And so we we basically put it in the Lord's hands and say, Lord, take care of it. We know that you will provide for this. Last week, Hannah goes to Grace College. Grace College girls' soccer team qualified for the national championship in soccer, and girls' soccer. And by the way, we have two girls that are on that team that come to Grace. And and the coach of the girls' team, his family, Michael Voss and Summer Voss, come here, the head coach. And so it was in Florida. So Hannah called Ann and I up and said, hey, Hey, Mom and Dad, I'd like to go to Florida and watch, you know, watch this game and cheer on my girlfriends and the team. And what do you think? we're like, hey, that would be awesome. You, you just ought to do it. Just, just go for it. Just. And so she began making some calls. And, and we gave her some money, put it towards a Christmas, and, and, and she, some of her own money. And before we know it, she had a round-trip ticket from Indianapolis that she could fly out of India and go to Florida. She was excited about it. We were excited about it. So she had to drive her car from Winona Lake down to Indianapolis Airport. In any case, while she was in Indianapolis, and, or coming back from Florida, flying back to Florida, she walked out to her vehicle in the parking lot in Indianapolis, and on, the, on the, her car was this handwritten note. She had just come home this week, and it was Friday. And she says, hey, Dad, by the way, I got this note on my car, and I think you ought to read it and tell me what you think. And so she went out, and there was this note on the car, and she said, first, I wasn't sure what it was going to be. Like, I don't know what someone wants to write to me. She opens up this note on the car, and this note says, basically, hi, my name is Bob. I work at the airport. If you ever want to sell your vehicle, let me know. I'd like to buy it. It's like... I mean, like, sometimes we, 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 we have these situations that God, that allows to come in our life, and we make them more difficult instead of just giving them over. So here's, here, here, here's, here's a gal, Hannah, who wants to sell her car. We haven't even advertised it yet, and I'm already looking for another vehicle, and so she... Just wants to jump and go with some friends, and we gave her an invitation. Just go enjoy, honey. Just jump and go. Just step out in faith; God will provide. She goes to Florida, lands in Indianapolis, comes out, and so she hands me this piece of paper on Friday, and I'm at home. Say, yeah, Dad. By the way, there was this guy like left his weird note on my car, like, and and and, and said that, like he would like to buy my vehicle. What do you think we should do? And I went. <laughs> so I took this piece of paper, like, Ann and Hannah were sitting on the couch. I'll call him. Like, hey, I've watched enough Pond Stars. I don't want to make a deal. <laughs> and so I call this guy up. Don't know him from Adam. Like, call him up, and his name's Bob. And dial the number, and he said, hello. And I said, hey, Bob, how you doing? And it was quiet. Like, how do you know my name's Bob? Well, you wrote it on this piece of paper here. I said, hey, this is Jim. Um, my daughter was in indie, She had a car in the parking lot, and you basically said you would be interested in buying it. Like, is that true? Are you interested? And in, in, he said, yeah, actually, actually I am. And, and so I'm on my end. I'm telling about it. And he said, well, it must be a good rider because you let your daughter drive it to Indianapolis. So it must be a, a dependable vehicle. I said, yeah, it is. It's been garage kept in the winter. It's been, you know, I know the owner that owned it before. You know, it's, a lot of it's original, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? We would be interested in selling it. I said, if the price is right. And so he's on the other end, and and, and so I said, well, what do you want to offer for it? He says, well, I don't want to lowball you. I said, what do you want to offer for it? And so he made an offer, and I said, well, we were thinking this. And short and sweet is this. In a matter of about seven minutes to ten minutes... I sold this car to a man in Indianapolis. We're delivering it tomorrow to Indy because God said, you know what? I'm going to answer this prayer request you have. And he bought it for more than what we paid for it six years ago. (laughs) The reason I tell you that is this. God is able to do far more than you ask or imagine. So in our minds, as we look at that case scenario, we're thinking, if God can do that... And and we didn't even have to listen on Craigslist and meet at some weird spot at night in the middle of the morning dark and worry someone's going to shoot you. Didn't have to do that. Just, you see, sometimes we think God doesn't even care about the small details, and He does. And when we begin to attest to his greatness, when we begin to remember what he has already done, when we begin to build our faith case, when we begin to compile the stories, when we face the next thing, we think, wow, if God brought me to this, he'll bring me through this. And not only bring us through it, but we can walk in complete peace because our minds are stayed on Yah, Yahweh. Yahweh. When Jesus came at Christmas, he brought peace to the chaos of our lives. So what was the disciples' response? Now, look again. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Like Now, picture this. They're bailing water. They're fretting. They had just spent time with Jesus. They've watched him perform miracles. And he's sleeping. And so they're they're waking up. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care? Teacher, take a look. And all the while, he's wanting them to know that, listen, you don't need to look at the storm. You need to look at the creator of the storm who is Jesus, and he will keep your minds in perfect peace. Don't we do the same? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if my child is sick, teacher? Don't you care if my marriage is off the tracks, teacher? Don't you care if I've been unemployed for six months, teacher? Don't you care that I'll be all alone again this holiday, teacher? Don't you care that my wife has passed away, teacher? Don't you care that my girlfriend broke up with me, teacher? Don't you care that my car broke down, teacher? Don't you care? Jesus is saying, don't I care? I invited you to this storm. I am with you. I will put you through the storm. So meanwhile, Jesus is asleep. And their lives are falling apart. And all they needed to remember was the Prince of Peace was sleeping in the stern of this boat, fully aware that there would be a moment when the storm would surface on the lake. Yet he wasn't concerned because his God was with him and their God was with them. And your God goes with you wherever you go to. And in other words, they're saying, if you really cared, Jesus, then this would have never happened. Like, my car wouldn't have broken down. If you really cared, then you would have never allowed this to happen. And Jesus is saying, never allowed it to happen. I invited you into this storm. See, sometimes Jesus wants us to ride the storm out with him. Jesus cares just as much when the storm is brewing as when there is not a ripple on your lake. I love how God comes through. Like, I love how God orchestrates people's lives. This past Wednesday, I had an appointment at 3 o'clock with a man that had made the appointment about four to five weeks ago. And so, that's about how far out my appointments can be. In any case, he had made an appointment, and the appointment was regarding a relationship issue that he found himself in. So he was coming into this appointment three to four weeks later in my office to talk about questions about this relationship that he was in. So in the matter of those three to four weeks, that relationship had broken off and he no longer needed to get advice from me about that relationship because it no longer pertained to his life. Yet there was this part of him, he shares, in the back of his mind that he probably should still follow through with this appointment, but he wasn't sure why. So in any case, he comes, he comes to my office, and he sits down, and the first couple words out of his mouth are something like this. He said, Pastor Jim, he said, the reason I came was because of this relationship issue, and he explained it. He said, but that's no longer an issue. He said, he looked at me and he said, I'm not sure why I'm here, but I know I'm supposed to be here. And I came, anyhow, being around the block a few times with the Holy Spirit and understanding how the Holy Spirit and God draws people, I knew God was setting him up for something pretty big. And so I asked him, I said, on the way here, how many times did you think about canceling this appointment? Like, how many times do you think I'm just going to call the church and I'm going to cancel this appointment? He said about 30 times. He said, even when I pulled in the church parking lot, he said, I was ready to dial thinking, why would Pastor Jim want to meet with me now? What's the purpose of coming now? And so in any case, as we're beginning to unpack t- and unfold, I began to sense, because God has given me discernment in that area, because of the way he has chosen to give me opportunities, he says these words, he says, by the way, he says, Pastor Jim, how do you really know when you're saved? It's like, oh my goodness, God, you are up to something big time here, like, you allowed this thing in his life, this relationship, go south. You allowed that to draw him to set up an appointment. Like, you surfaced that. You took him through that so that he would set up an appointment so he could ask the question because you've been drawing him all along. And so we have this conversation, and I begin to unpack how, how you know and how you can know Christ. And he told me about his journey. And, and so we're seated together, and finally I got to a point where, where just basically laid out the plan of salvation. And I asked him, I said, would you want to trust in the Lord and Savior as, as, as a leader of your life? Would you, would, you want to, would you want to know that he is the Lord and leader of your life and trust and receive him as your personal Savior? He said, yes, I would. So let, let, let me tell you what, what was pretty cool. God started it all with, with this relation, allowed this relationship, set up an appointment. And so out of that came this man who God was drawing. And so after, after he confessed with his mouth that Jesus was Lord, he got finished praying and he's just, he's just weeping, like tears are running down his face. He's a strong, strapping, 33-year-old young man. Just, and he says, man, I'm feeling all emotional. Like, and See, so this isn't normal for me. And, 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 you know, tears are running down my face too. And I said, let me, let me tell you something, bro. I said, when you came into my office today, when you drove down this road, when you busted through that fear and the voices of the enemy saying, turn around, turn around, turn around. When you came in here, God was with you outside of you. God was pushing you. God was drawing you. God, God even spared your life from this accident that he told me about that he shouldn't have walked away from. He said that Ing and T says, I never seen anybody walk away from an accident like this. He said he was going 80 miles an hour and the car turned upside down, wrapped around a tree or a telephone pole, and the EMTs and the ambulance said, This guy, I can't believe this guy walked away from this. He shouldn't even be alive. And, and, and so I said, well, God was with you there, too. He was drawing you. And I said, by the way, the reason you're, you're, you're sensing this difference in your emotions, in your heart, listen, when, before you walked in here, God was outside of you. But listen, you're leaving this office, and God is in you. God is in you. And I watched this young man write these words to me just... The next day, and I want to read them to you to give God all the credit and all the glory. This is how he tried to express it. Now, picture. He's been saved for about three days. These are his words. Good afternoon, Jim. I just felt like I needed to message you to let you know how much you have meant to me since we first met. Words cannot even describe what I was feeling when I was sitting in your office this past Wednesday. After all this time, I finally found someone who has led me down a path I should have gone long ago. Tears still find a way to surface every time I think about what we talked about in them short 30 minutes that I sat in your office. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for who you are, blah, blah, blah. Then he says this, And thank you for leading me to accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Heading to your office, there was a million reasons running through my mind as to why I should not go and meet with you. And I even debated turning around and leaving as I was sitting in the Grace parking lot. I am so thankful that I followed through. I literally broke down and cried the entire way home from the meeting. I am so thankful, so thankful. I look forward to when we leave this sinful place called earth and we are walking down the streets of gold and seeing you there with your family and friends. Praise God, I cannot wait. Thank you again. You have enlightened me in more ways than I have ever known possible. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And why do we praise the Lord? Because God had set up all these things in his life. God had been wooing him. God had been drawing him. God had been pushing him. So that allowing all these storms to take place, so that there would be this defining moment when he would meet the Prince of Peace. And yes, he worshiped with us today in the first service. And he's a different man because of the work of Christ in his life. Paul said it best this way. When it comes to our anxieties and our fears. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So these disciples were in this boat. God invited them to the storm. And he says, Even though you're in the storm, the peace of God, can can guard your hearts and minds, and it can help you to transcend all understanding if you're leaning on the Prince of Peace. What's the word transcend? What transcends all understanding? King James says passes all understanding. It's the idea to go above or beyond what other people are willing to do. It's like it's like being a, a, driving on the interstate, and you're coming to a large city. You ever see them on a map, and there's roads going everywhere. It's like it's just like. Well, I could go this way or that way, and I could drive through all these places. And then there's this bypass that's on the outside. God is saying this. He says, listen, listen to me. The peace of God that passes all understanding, you can bypass all these other options. to What if this happens? What if that happens? And What if we do this? It just bypasses. It passes. It transcends. It goes above, drives over all those things. And Paul is saying that it is possible to not be anxious in the storm if we hand it over to God. Jesus can calm any storm. But I got to believe even in this case here that Jesus has probably said to him, at what point are you guys going to trust me? Like, like, how many more miracles am I going to have to perform? How many more thousands of people am I going to have to feed? How many more demons and I'm going to have to exercise? What more do I need to do for you to trust me? Don't you think that I knew that this storm was coming? Don't you know that's the reason I grabbed a cushion and went to sleep because I was relying on my God and you can trust me? What else must he do to prove that he's for us? And so look what the response is. So they come to him, they're anxious. Teacher, don't you care that we drown? So what's he do? Look at verse 39. He got up, he rebuked the wind, said to the waves, quiet, still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm or peaceful. I love how Eugene Peterson translates verse 39. Listen to this. He says, awake now. He told the wind to pipe down. And he said to the sea, quiet, settle down, would you? The wind ran out of breath. The sea became smooth as glass. Jesus reprimanded the disciples. Why are you such cowards? Don't you have any faith at all? Settle down. It's like... like all of us have had a child, or maybe all your kids have been this way, like when you have to pull a tooth. You ever get a child that has a real loose tooth and it's like the first one, they're scared to death. Maybe it's the tenth one, they're still scared to death. You ever have one you ever have a crying child? Like, before you even touch the tooth, they're like, ah, 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 ah they're screaming, like, ah, and you're like, settle down. Deep breath. And before you even touch the tooth, they're screaming in pain. And you're just like, settle down. And you go, and it pops out. Jesus is saying to these waves, settle down, take a deep breath. And immediately, immediately, there was peace. So these disciples, they're bailing water. They're thinking about jumping in. They're thinking about taking Jesus' cushion. Jesus gets up, and he looks at the wind and the waves, and he says, hey, settle down, would you? Take a deep breath, and immediately calm. Imagine if you were a disciple in that boat. What would your response to all this be? There'd be a variety of, like, number one, I would be disappointed, like, in myself. Like, there you go again, Jim. You're not trusting Jesus. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. Like, after he's done all this and done that, after he just sold my daughter's car, after this and after that, after this, after that, after this, after that, there I am again wondering if God is able. Do you think he ever gets frustrated with us because our faith is so weak? Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. So Paul says, Paul says, do not be anxious Jesus says, be calm here. Peter, he goes the next step. Like, Peter's a little more impetuous. Like, Peter's like, he's, he's the double A personality. And in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, when it comes to anxiety, Peter says, cast off your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the word cast in the original, when he, when he wrote this, if you were to take that word and you were to pull it apart and you were to define it, like, if you were to put, put, a, put a video to it, the word cast in the original means to chuck it off. It, it means to chuck it off forcefully. Like, I even like that word. Chuck it. Like, get it off. And he's saying, take that anxiety, take that worry, and just, like, like get, get it off. Don't want anything to do with it. Instead of, like, oh... Casting it off like a fisherman does. Cast and bring it right back. Oh. no! He says, chuck it off forcefully. Because our God promises to walk us through it. So here you have these disciples and Jesus says,
1: settle down, would you?
0: And it settles down. And then Jesus says this to his disciples in verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? You see, some of us think we have faith. We say, well, I'm stepping out in faith and doing this, but it's so calculated. Like, it's so safe. You're still doing it only with your family. You never step out alone. Like, you're thinking, oh, I'm stepping out in faith, and I'm doing this, and yet you haven't done anything alone with Jesus in years. You see, we should never let our fear shut us down. We should let it wake us up. Like, fear isn't a sinful thing. It's what we do in response to it that can become sinful. So how do we control fear? You know, as parents, we hover around our kids like, oh, we can't let them do that or try this or don't let them go there. They'll shoot their eye out. Don't, don't let them try that. And you don't let them do it unless you're part of it. Like, you can go if I'm part of it. And so we develop these children that don't do anything without us. Like, they don't go on mission trips without us. They don't serve without us. They don't do anything without us because we have become the buffer zone. We even do it as husbands. We, 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 we think, well, I'm going to protect my kids and my wife from fear. And so I can't give them a full report. And so instead of time that, that this is the full report about what's taking place, we withhold information thinking that we're protecting them. When in reality, all we're doing is, is keeping them from walking through fear and trusting God in a mighty way. So Jesus... Says this to them in verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And verse 41 says, They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Can I just give you a little significant, major, significant sidebar here? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In fact, the wind and the waves were the only ones obeying him in this story. The only ones. All through Jesus' life. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. All through scripture. Yet these disciples, they were fretting. And they were sinning. The only thing obeying God in the story were the wind and the waves themselves. And when they obeyed, complete peace. God's biggest problem in our storms is not stopping the storms, but getting us to believe that he can do it. That's why it says in Isaiah 9, 6, that he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. The prince of peace will take you to the storm and he will get you through it. But you got to believe he can do it. I want you to do something for me. I want you to grab a piece of blank paper under your chair or behind you and grab a pen. You can see there's paper, there's blank paper. I want us to do something once and for all. First Peter 5, 7, Peter reminded us to cast off our anxiety, to chuck it off forcefully because he cares for you. In other words, we're not supposed to carry these fears. We're not supposed to carry these concerns. We're not supposed to carry anxiousness. We're supposed to chuck it off. We're supposed to get rid of it forcefully once and for all. So I want you to do something. What's that thing? Like, what's that person? What's that relationship? What's that upcoming event that, that, that wants to calls you to fret and worry What it is, just write it down, write it down what, what is it, what's that unknown Like what's that thing out there What is it, just just write it down Write it down quickly on your piece of paper Just, just write it down, what's that thing That you're finding yourselves wanting to walk in fear Instead of faith What is it, what, what's that thing Because Peter says that we're supposed to cast it off And lay our cares on him because he cares for us In other words, chuck it off Like throw it down forcefully Write it down. Now, I want you to stand. Stand with me. Stand in the link too, please. I want you to do something. I want you to take that piece of paper, ball it up, ball it up, ball that concern. Come on, ball it up, ball it up. Come on, you don't want to hold it anymore. Peter said, I want to, I want to chuck it off. I want, to, I want to cast it off. And on a count of three, I want you to do something. Listen, it's a big room. It's a big room in the lake. I want you to cast this thing. I want you to chuck it all on a count of three you can throw it left right backwards upwards just just get rid of it once and for all and give it to god and let the prince of peace bring peace on a count of three i want you to chuck it all one two three